Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 157 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are happy to be with you for another week of the Beers and Bible podcast. Anthony, what's going on? Man, it's been busy times. Uh, We're actually, we're recording a little bit late this week than our normal, uh, normal Thursday night for scheduling reasons and sickness reasons and all kinds of fun stuff. But it's been uh, 2023 has been wide open for me so far. I, I feel mm. like I haven't stopped, and uh, I, I think I might have possibly gotten at least caught up enough this this weekend that I did. I don't feel like I'm like a week behind anymore. Mm. So that's good. That's, yeah, it's I'm I'm feeling better now <laughs> than I did. You feeling better about what lays lies ahead for you? <laughs> exactly. What the year has in hold for and in, in store for me. But uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I'm up to. What are you guys up to? So, uh, like you mentioned, we're coming, uh, getting over some sickness that we had in our house the last week. Um, just garbage stuff going around. Um, it's mm-hmm. just that time of year, I think. Um, I got a new stuff. tattoo last week. I showed that to you already. Nice. Um, yes. And we're just, you know, as much as you know, I was out for from work pretty much all week last week. Mm-hmm. with the sickness but um you know before that work was like 90 miles an hour gangbusters <laughs> like won't slow down and i don't and you know based on the a group text that i had it was getting while i was out it didn't slow down at all so uh this coming week could be fun um tune in next week and we'll find out what <laughs> my work week was like um but it's been good like we're good you know kids are Kids are doing their kid thing, and mm-hmm. we're uh, we're staying busy. So nice. That's what's going on here at our house. Nice, nice. Well, we are going to continue on with what we normally do, which is drink some beer. And I think we have a couple of pretty good ones. And I know I'm pretty pumped about mine. Why really, my next two I'm pretty pumped about. Yeah, I'm excited about <laughs> your second one because I've had it. Why don't you go ahead and uh, get us started with our beer review for this week? Yep. So tonight I'm going to be having, uh, if you remember about this time last year, I reviewed a king cake ale, um, which if if you are familiar with the deep south, and I mean like Mobile, Alabama, New Orleans, Louisiana, the deep south, uh, we have this, this celebration every year called Mardi Gras. And part of the celebration of Mardi Gras is this fun cake called king cake, which is uh, really only made down here. Uh, it's really made a lot in New Orleans, but Mobile uh, has a claim to fame uh, there with the King Cake and Mardi Gras. But last year I did one from, let me flip back through, because I saw, I think it was Chandelier Brewing. It was, uh, there it is, episode 115. So I did the King Cake Ale from Chandelier Island. 
And I went to the store and I saw this one. It's called Carnival Time. And it is a sour ale with king cake. And I'm just mm. going to read to you what they put on the website because this explains Mardi Gras in, in a sentence. It says, we took all the indulgence of a Dong Fong king cake. When I'm, I'm <laughs> had that aneurysm thing going on there. It's I think that's how you say it. Dong Fong is how they say it. Uh, it's a place in New Orleans. It's a bakery in New Orleans. It's pretty, pretty famous for their king cake. Uh, brewed a cinnamon cream cheese sour ale. Oh, my. And, and that's what. So cream cheese, cinnamon, sugar, and then some, they do something else. But the cool thing about a king cake is uh, they always bake a little plastic baby into yeah. the king cake. Yeah. And if you get the baby, you have to buy somebody else a king cake. That's the that's the rules. That's the game. That's the game. So, um, but I really enjoyed the king cake ale from last year. So I was like, I'm going to try a different one this year. And I found this sour ale from Urban South Brewery. So um, it comes in. Let me see if I can get my my stats right on the thing because I thought I looked at it. Uh, no, they because they don't really advertise where this what this thing comes in at. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to have to keep looking around and see if I can find some stats on it because it's not on the can and it's not on the website. But anyway, it should be pretty good because I do like king cake. So that's what I'm having. What are you going to have? So tonight, a new brewery to the podcast. I've been on a string of those um, last, oh gosh, four weeks or so maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I have the uh, Andrew B. Brewing's Peachtree Pills. Um, it's Pilsner. Um, I was lured in by the way they advertise it on the can. Um, Peachtree, if you know anything about the Atlanta area or Georgia in general, um, Peachtree is a street name that is just all over streets everywhere. All <laughs> all over all sorts of streets. Um, like the Peachtree Road Race is on Peachtree Street in downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um so, but the way they advertise it, they split peach and tree into different lines. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, this will be like a peach flavored something. And according to their website, um, the description they have here is that it's a clean, it's clean, bright, and crisp, no frills, no fruits, just a crushable classic lager. Um, so I don't know if it's a lager or pilsner or pilsner is a type of lager. Or I don't remember. Um, but five percent ABV. I think I saw thirty three IBUs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, this looks like a regular run of the mill beer. So, uh, they're false and, advertising and, with their peaches. And Derby is based in uh, Peachtree Corners, Georgia. So maybe that's part of the reason why for the Peachtree thing. Maybe, but anyway, maybe that's what we got going on. So I will, I will say this. Uh, they, this is the one stat I could find about the beer on the website. It says it pairs with the Dong Fong King Cake, obviously. Fried chicken and doubloons. So there you go. There you All go. three things of Mardi Gras. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with any of that. Honestly. Nope. Well, let's crack them open and see how they taste. Let's do it. Do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. It smells like beer.
this smells better than the one from last year. Yeah, the one from last year. The one from last year was good. You gave it four? Four and a half. Oh, snap. Okay. Also got my new uh got my new mug in. Yep. Back to back national champion. Back to back. Congrats. Tennessee should be up there next year. Congrats on beating St. Mary's School for the Blind (laughs) in the national championship. (laughs) I'm still laughing about that. So I don't know if I said this or not, but I I go to I go I work with a, a whole bunch of Alabama fans. And um since Monday of Monday the ninth, now it's like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been dropping just one a day, just little memes that have found their way into my phone uh uh-huh. through the internet. <laughs> and it's uh it's really gotten some of them going. It's kind of fun to to toy with them like that, but you know, when you go back to back, you can do things like that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> And Alabama fans should know because they weren't they the last team to go back to back? They were 2011, 2012. And so, they let everybody know that. Yep. So for like 10 years. <laughs> so, so there you go. My, uh, my beer. What you my got? Just, it just smells like a regular beer. I, I'm not expecting anything like uh, over the top here. <clears throat> I will say the. Uh, Four sixes beer that I had a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That thing still holds up. It's still nice. just as good as it was the first time I tried it. Nice. You love to hear that. The the cosmic crown that I had, I've really enjoyed that. And you know, it's funny, it's like there was like a week where I, I didn't drink any and I went and grabbed one one day and I poured it up. And my first thought was exactly what I had when I reviewed it. This is like classic city locker, but like bolder and stronger. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, sour I had last week, I haven't touched again because uh, I was sick all week and didn't feel like. Uh, drinking a good beer when I mm-hmm. wasn't feeling it. Don't waste a good beer. Yeah. Yeah, this just smells like a regular beer. But we'll see. We'll find out. Here we go. Well, let's turn them up and see how they taste. Let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. I know what I'm doing. I had to go through like a substantial amount of foam to get to the beer. So, so I'm going to go ahead and rate mine because this is easy. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> this is 100 a five Luther beer all day long. Um, you know the interesting part is it's it's a sour ale, but it still has that sweetness, and so like it's. This thing is almost like a dessert beer. Like it's mm-hmm. it's got a tartness to it. It does, and so you can tell it's brewed like a sour ale. But it's got that sweetness of king. If you've ever had king cake, you know what I'm talking about. Like it's just there's something different about it. That's that's it's sweet, but it's still tart at the same time. And this is exactly that. And this is a five Luther beer, all day, every day, twice on Sundays. This thing is so good. I'm so glad I bought it. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to see if I can tr- find that one. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a king cake beer anywhere. Probably not because it's Mardi Gras is very specific to like Mobile, New like Orleans, deep, Pensacola. Deep south. Yeah. I mean, it happens on the coast because it's French. It's a French inspired holiday. Right. And so Mobile is a French settlement. New Orleans is a French settlement. Um, 
Pensacola has kind of picked it up just because they're in close proximity to us. Uh-huh. Um, and they try to be like us, you know, that Pensacola is like uh, the little, little sister or little sibling that just wants to like tag along with the, the older siblings. Um, and so, you know, Mobile and, and, and New Orleans are, are throwing down and Pensacola is like, Hey, we want to party too. <laughs> so, but yeah, this thing is, this thing is really good. I'm, I might, I might just go pick one up and send it to you just so you can have it. Oh. Because it's good. Okay. Well, we'll see about that. But anyway, five Luthers on this thing. The uh, Carnival Time from Urban South. Fantastic job. Great beer. I'm glad to hear that because this one is, uh, this is just like meh. 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 I you mean, haven't had a meh beer in a long time. I know. And it's, I don't know if I'm still like getting over being sick from last week. <clears throat> <clears throat> Maybe I'll maybe that's how I'll put this, but it's just I mean like looking back, it's been almost twenty episodes since I've done this, but I'm gonna do it. This is a three Luther beer. Ooh. Yeah. This is Dang. this is I mean and historically we've always said like three, three and a half is good, not great. Mm-hmm. When you start getting close to four, that's when you start <laughs> making the turn toward like, okay, this is something I could see myself drinking more regularly. And five is like, wow. There's no doubt how good this beer is. Yeah. Um, this one just isn't doing anything for me. And I don't know if it's maybe because it is a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, historically, Pilsners haven't had great, uh, haven't had a great time with us here at Beers and Bible. This is true. Um, but I don't know. I'm a, and I'm a little disappointed because of the way they advertise. I mean, it's even like, look, it's even peach colored. How are you going to do that yeah. <clears throat> and not have a peach flavor, something in there. So I'm a little, a little disappointed all around. Um, there's four, uh, there's three of them left. Um, there's 16 ounces though. So that's another like the, um, so yeah, this is just kind you, of a meh. Yeah. You asked, you asked earlier what the difference between a Pilsner and a lager was. And uh, I found this little thing right here that says a Pilsner is the result of carefully controlled lagering, an aspect of beer brewing process that can produce other types of lagers under different circumstances. Therefore, all Pilsners are lagers, but not all lagers are Pilsners. Got it. So, well, this one needed to keep going because it's not. <laughs> we generally like lagers, but we don't like Pilsner lagers. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what it is about the Pilsners. They're just not not doing anything for me. Yeah. If you have a suggestion for a Pilsner that isn't terrible, uh, we'll tell you where you can send that at the end of the episode. That's right. You can also suggest IPAs, which we will not do because they have yeah. been banned. IPAs have been formal, <laughs> formally, formally, <laughs> and henceforth forever <laughs> eradicated and banned <laughs> from the podcast. Thus it shall be decreed. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) Thus saith Michael and Anthony. (laughs) Oh, gosh. If you like IPAs, more power to you. There's two guys here that you won't have to ever fight if there's one pack of IPAs left in the store. So here's the funny thing. I went to the store today to go pick up some beers. And, you know, it's like IPAs outnumber everything else like three to one. I know. I, I, I'm about to have to not go to the store I've been going to because I've had all the non IPAs. Mm-hmm. 
So tell us what the deal is with IPAs if we're if we're so wrong because double IPAs, triple IPAs, hazy IPAs, I've had them all and they're all disgusting. They all taste exactly the same. Yes. They taste like you filtered your beer through a dirty sock and put it in a can. It's like it's like um I'm not condoning this behavior. But it's like college freshmen went to a party and all they had at the party was IPAs. And they're like, oh man, this is so cool. We're gonna drink IPAs. And they drank it and they knew no better. Yeah. So like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. And they just convinced themselves of the lie. Yes. And now here we are 15 years later, they're still drinking that garbage. Those college freshmen grew up to be brewers and now all they make is IPAs. <laughs> I mean, if I'm wrong, I'll gladly admit it, but I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're wrong. So anyway, no. um, so Anthony coming in with a five Luther beer from Urban South, the Carnival Time Sour Ale with King Cake. Mm-hmm. Um, Delicious. Lucky, lucky son of a gun over there drinking a five Luther beer this week. Um, and the peach tree pills from Andrew B brewing, getting a three. Look, these are our ratings. These aren't what we think the beers are for everybody. They just are what they, it's just, we just rate them how they are to us. Listen, so, we're like, we're like that guy, Keith Lee on TikTok who rates people's food. Have you, have you seen his TikToks? They're hilarious. I'm, I'm going to be very vulnerable right now. <laughs> I try to stay off of TikTok as much as possible. <laughs> I do. I do too. Except for like, when it's I'm not scrolling on my phone. at night. <laughs> it's not on my phone. I, I, I don't, I haven't gotten on the TikTok craze. But. You're probably better. I don't have an account. All I do is scroll videos, but I ended up on this guy's whole, like channel or whatever it's called on TikTok the other night. And all he does, like his whole goal is to find a restaurant that's struggling, go review their food and, and tell people to go buy food from them to help mm-hmm. him out. Like that's what he wants to do. And he sits in his kid's like Paw Patrol chair at, at, at his house and reviews this food. He always orders takeout. So that they don't know it's him, because uh-huh. he has like six million followers on TikTok or something crazy. Uh-huh. But I would he be goes interested and buys in the after. Food. It's crazy. It, I'd be I'd be interested in the follow up. They've done like some the, stories of the, okay. restaurants who have survived because yeah. of him. <laughs> so it's that's really cool, cool. But his reviews are awesome too. But you know, but like I said, the the ratings we give these beers are just our ratings. Go try them. If you like Pilsners, you may love this. You may give this five Luthers, and I may be wrong to you. That's fine. That's right. It's your opinion. You're entitled to it. It's your opinion. But remember, we're the ones with the microphones. So, <laughs> Michael, throwing it down. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. We'll get some. We won't get any messages on that. We anyway, won't get any message for all that. All right. So now that the beer review is over, <laughs> it's been a long weekend, dude. We're still been trying to get over the sickness and stuff. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, now that the beer review is over, we are going to dive into the next book in our book by book study, which is Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And we are going to uh, try to knock that out tonight and uh, keep on rolling with our uh, discussion that we've been having the last several weeks. So uh, stick around, go grab something cold to drink. If it's a Pilsner, if that's your thing, go for it. Um, and we will be right back after this break.
welcome back from that break and a couple of beers. I'm still working on my King Cake Sour Ale, which is fantastic. Still five Luthers. This thing is really good. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm actually glad I have a few more of these things, too, because this thing. Mm. But anyway, so we're going to dive into the book of Jeremiah tonight. We're continuing on. All we have left in the Old Testament now, remember, is prophets. Um, and a lot of these prophets, um, we're going to try to. Uh, there's some of them I know. Some of them I've got details on. I'm trying to remember. But uh, we're going to relate these back to other books that we've done. So like a lot of this stuff that's happening now. Is going to be in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, mm-hmm. the history time of of uh, Israel. So we're kind of like we're recapping some some other stuff. Um, That's interesting. What's interesting to me is that like, and maybe it's because there's not a lot of preaching on the prophets, mm-hmm. but I've always thought of it as like, like it's never clicked to me that the prophets were like the thing that they're writing about is the other stuff from the Old Testament. Yeah, like that they're basically they're basically presenting a commentary on what has happened Mm -hmm. in the Chronicles, Kings, Samuel, Mm -hmm. Judges and all that other stuff and applying it to where they are at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, Uh, consider Samuel was the first prophet. Yeah. And and like within just a little bit of time of Samuel being the prophet, the people were like, whoa, 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 you're cool, but we want a king, <laughs> you know, and God's like, I'm going to give them a king, but realistically, I should be their king. And so mm-hmm. all these kings are going to fail them. And I want you, Samuel, to tell them that. And he's like, hey, y'all, um, I hear this and I know you think this is a good idea, but I'm talking to God over here because I'm the prophet and he's telling me this is a terrible idea. And they're like, we don't care what you think, Samuel. You keep your God, talk to yourself, and give us our king. And so God's like, sure, you can have Saul. He's an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun times, but, I mean, it uh, again, all this does is show the cycles that we've talked yeah. about. And we're going to talk about it again tonight, the Deuteronomic cycle of Israel. Like, they're never going to learn. <laughs> yeah. It just sh- it just shows that how connected Scripture is from mm-hmm. beginning to end. Like That's right. You've seen that graphic with like the lines drawn that have all the, like the cross references of like mm-hmm. scripture referencing other scripture and being quoted and all that. Like going through it, this going through it like we are now mm-hmm. um, puts it all into perspective at just how connected scripture is. Oh, yeah. And how everything is tied together. Everything. I mean, it's almost like callbacks or flashbacks in your favorite TV shows, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I don't know. So. It's a lot of fun. So tonight we're on Jeremiah. We're going to orient ourselves around uh, who Jeremiah was, the book the that was written uh, for Jeremiah, by Jeremiah, maybe. You know, we want to think that. Um, but uh, but very first thing is judgments are going to be pronounced. Um, Jeremiah is called, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit, he's called the weeping prophet because pretty much all he does is tell Israel, hey, this bad thing's about to happen. Hey, this bad thing's about to happen. Like most of his oracles are bad. They're they're not what would be called good. Um and but they're but even in the midst of all that, he still gives this this like future hope. And and yeah. you can see throughout the book, you can see Jeremiah's love for the nation of Israel and how he wants them to repent and turn and serve God and and do the good, you know, that that he knows that they're called to do, 
uh, but they just keep rejecting. They keep rejecting. And so um, this takes place during the concluding days of Judah. And uh, remember, uh, the end of Jeremiah, when we set this up going into Lamentations, the 52nd chapter of Jeremiah tells of the destruction of Jerusalem, Babylon, and then you're you're into some really bad stuff there in Lamentations uh, that you get to. So that's kind of where we are, um, and, and this is going to be roughly, like, call it... 600s into the late 586 5 you know the the Babylonian exile started in 598 and Babylon was overthrown in and Jerusalem was overthrown in like 586 so you have like this 15 year period of time Jeremiah's a little bit before that um Ezekiel's going to come in kind of mid Jeremiah we're going to talk about that next week but um these guys are overlapping and so mm-hmm. there there is some common common threads between all of them um but Tonight for Jeremiah, he was a prophet uh, in, a, in a little village uh, called Anathoth, which is very close to Jerusalem, and he emphasizes just a just a few major points. Number one, he he emphasizes Judah's unfaithfulness to God, um, and this again, just remember that Deuteronomic cycle that we have talked about over and over and over again. What comes from that destruction, resulting destruction, is what comes of that. Um, but in the midst of this destruction. Uh, Jeremiah is going to specifically talk about God's future plan for his people. Mm. Um, he always has a, a future plan for restoration and a remnant. Um, and then this restoration and covenant is going to be displayed through Jeremiah. And we're going to see that theme all the way through this book towards God's people. And so think about all of that and then and then take all of that. And let's talk about a little bit of advice that we can have as we read through the book of Jeremiah. So as we read Jeremiah, um, we've got to understand um, his life and what's going on in the time. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, context is key here. It always is. It always has been. It always will be. Um, And thinking about this time frame, Judah is in a series of kings that ultimately lead them into captivity to Babylon Mm -hmm. and exile into Egypt during uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Anthony, your notes. I don't know if you pulled this from the book. I don't know if you came up with this on your own, but this is hilarious to me. Um, the opposite of what we might call the golden years. Yeah, I came um, up with that. <laughs> so like thinking like all the good stuff that could be happening is not happening Yeah, <laughs> right now. Um, and that's what's happening in this time, in the time frame of Jeremiah here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been tasked with a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. He's standing in opposition to the house of David. And he's telling uh, Judah to yield to Babylon, mm-hmm. to live. Yes, they'll be living in exile, but they get to live. Um, or if they resist, they going to die. That's right. Yeah. Real encouraging <laughs> stuff from the prophet <laughs> Jeremiah here. Um which I, I'd like to say that it would be an easy choice, but then again, well, how I mean, different are we? Like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to think because I mean, Babylon is the enemy of Israel and Judah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're the enemy. And then here comes this prophet that's like, "Hey guys, God told me that we need to just be in subjected to them. We need to be yeah. their slaves." We need to accept it. 
because you guys have been doing this for a long time and you've been sinning and living in idolatry and syncretism and all these stupid things that God's told you not to do. Mm -hmm. And this is the result of it. So you just need to accept it and let's move on with this. And they're like, no, we're not going to accept it. And, and, you know, I'm sure that's exactly how it went. But, but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because again, Jeremiah is telling the people to accept something that goes against what God has basically laid out for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if you obey, goodness is going to follow. You're going to be a light to the nations. If you disobey, you're going to be destroyed. Um, And they continue to disobey and they continue to like this, this, uh, I don't know why God keeps destroying us. I don't know why God keeps putting us in. Maybe it's because you're disobeying. Just food yeah, for thought. <laughs> maybe. I mean, time and time again, the people of Israel are pretty dumb. Like, yes. Continuing to do things that they shouldn't be yeah. doing. Um, but I'm with you. Don't get on our high horse because Lord, yeah. we ain't any better. <laughs> no, I mean, how, how often do we go our own way or, um, you know, forget the goodness of God in, in times, mm-hmm. you know, when we're going through struggles or whatever? Um Right, we're no better than the people mm-hmm. of Israel. We're no better yeah. than the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. So, um, and, and you know, the last the last bit of advice here. Um, there's so much in Jeremiah that should remind the reader mm-hmm. of the relationship of Moses to God and the people of Israel during the Exodus. Yeah. Um, Jeremiah, of course, is, um. Like Moses, mm-hmm. God is still God, and, <laughs> and then the nation of Israel is the people during the Exodus. So, yeah, um, just things to keep in mind as we uh, walk through Jeremiah here. Yeah the 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 thing that I noticed, um, but about the kind of a parallel that I've noticed between Jeremiah and Moses is that even when the people are almost at their worst. Like you you would think they can't get any worse. Moses goes back to God and he's like, look, God, these people are idiots. I'm, I'm sorry for them. Uh, is there any way that we can reconcile this? Is there any way that, that we can fix this and make like Moses is always kind of interceding on behalf of the people. And that's what you see a lot from Jeremiah too. Yeah. And that's like, you know, that parallel there. And you, and as we talk about, as we walk through this, you're, you're going to see that. And that's what I talk about when I talk about his heart for the people that's what I that's what I mean, because and that and that's why I think, you know, they call him the weeping prophet because he pronounced so much judgment. But I think part of of that weeping prophet that we that we assign to or we we apply to Jeremiah is he does that with a heart that says, God, I just want these people to to do right. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. Whatever I have to do to fix, you know, yep. help fix and make it right. I'll do that. And then I just I just want to encourage them to keep doing things right. And and it's yeah. this it's this always optimistic mentality. And and I know my my kind of natural inclination is to be cynical and negative and pessimistic so many times that you know, oh, they're just gonna keep doing that. They're always gonna be that way. It's kind of my natural inclination. And and it and it's it's convicting for me to read through something like Jeremiah and be like, man, this guy had a job way harder than me. And he still maintained this, this, this ever steady. I'm going to do everything I can for the people, regardless of how they hurt me, 
they attack me, you know, regardless of what they do to me, I'm going to continue to be an intercessor on behalf of the people to God. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's, that was the parallel that I saw between, between him and Moses. So, um, let's just dive right into, and let's walk through, um, the book of Jeremiah. We can, we pick up at the introduction, pretty much all of chapter one sets up Jeremiah's call um, the role he's going to play as a prophet. Um, again, we've already talked about him being the weeping prophet there. So we're not going to keep on on that, but, but he's going to continue to call for their restoration and their, their uh, God to renew them. Um, then we move into the first set of oracles, which is really against uh, Judah. Um, Judah here in this first section, this is chapter two through chapter six. Um, Judah is portrayed as a wife who has turned against her husband into prostitution. Mm. Um, we're going to see this again in the, in the book of Hosea. Hosea. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to be another theme there in Hosea. But uh, in the midst of this uh, or these oracles displaying this, there's a call for for her to return. The announcement of coming disaster, which is, again, that Deuteronomic cycle. Then we see in chapter five, there's these echoes of of Isaiah almost, um, where the people have become like their idols. Mm-hmm. They're they're resembling their idols. And then of course in chapter six, there's the siege of Jerusalem that gets announced. And then that takes us to the third section, which shocker, more oracles against idolatry. <laughs> it's we have this re- repetitive theme here. He spends 10 chapters basically like or nine chapters here at the beginning, just like saying, Hey Judah. Uh, quit, quit being Maybe idolatrous. Quit. <laughs> Maybe stop, stop it. this. <laughs> stop it. Yeah, and so I mean, the first two, the very first thing that he does, he's like, "Hey, you guys are being syncretistic. Stop it." Um, chapter seven. Chapter seven's fun because it's the the temple sermon of Jeremiah that he gives, and it's gonna when we get to chapter twenty six, there's gonna be a response, and that response is specifically to the the temple sermon there in chapter seven. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but you'll also see this this repeated theme of you reap what you sow, um, mm. both with Judah and with the nations. You know, it's what's funny is there there's times where it's evident that God is using the nations in God's and the enemies of Israel and Judah. He's using their enemies to basically bring destruction on them. But God also judges those nations for the destruction that they brought on Jerusalem. Right. It, and so just, just because it's part of God, just because God uses evil people as part of his plan doesn't mean that they're immune to the judgment of God. That's right. They still did the acts. Even if God used them to do it, they still did it. And so uh, they broke the covenant. They broke the law just like anybody else did. And they're going to suffer mm-hmm. the consequences of yeah. that. So yep. that's like the first 10 chapters. Walk us through like almost like the next 10 chapters. Sure. So uh, the next uh Chapters 11 through 13, we have the broken covenant. Um, Jeremiah is continuing to stand strong here and deliver judgment to Judah for their um, idolatrous ways, for um, just their repeated sinfulness against God and his laws. Um, The people, there are some people of uh, Judah even plot against Jeremiah here. and we see the theme of broken covenant and its consequences throughout this section. Um, what happens when you break the covenant that mm-hmm. God has made with his people? Um, 
And we move into the next few chapters here. We see God's rejection of his people. Um, and this is a dialogue between God and Jeremiah. We see Jeremiah interceding, like you said before, Anthony, mm-hmm. um, on behalf of the people to God. Even though we, as we read this, might think they don't deserve this intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if we read ourselves into the book of Jeremiah, how different are we than the people of Israel? Not very. So if <laughs> if we're worth being intervened for, then the people of Israel are worth inter- being intervened for. There you um, go. And then uh, we see some hope getting sprinkled in here in this section. Um but most of what Jeremiah is pronouncing is still mm. judgment on God's people. <laughs> so um, there's glimmers of hope, no, <laughs> sprinkles of hope with like <laughs> banners of judgment just <laughs> thrown all over. Um, and then the next few chapters through uh, chapter 20, we get some symbols and laments here from Jeremiah. Um, symbolic actions. Uh, we see Potter and the clay in chapter 18, uh, broken jar in chapter 19. Um, and those get uh, interwoven in with Jeremiah's laments. Mm-hmm. Um, his laments result in him being beaten. That's fun. Um, <laughs> imagine being so distraught and so uh, sad and um, just dis- like disappointed in what's going on and you're pouring out your heart that you get beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's going on with Jeremiah here. Um, and then uh, we finally get um, like an identified... Uh, what the terror of the north is um, mm-hmm. that keeps getting referred to. It's it's Babylon at the end yeah. of, at the end of chapter twenty that gets re- uh, identified as Babylon. That's so. right. And remember, as we're getting into the twenties here, we we have everyone's favorite verse twenty nine eleven is coming, and so you're you're picking up the context of what Jeremiah is in when he says, "I know the plans I have for you." Okay, so just keep that in 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 the back of your mind as we continue through this. Um, so chapters 21 through 24 pick up and we see, um, some judgment against the Kings and the prophets. Um, the Kings are, uh, just Royal failures here, especially Zedekiah, um, Royal failures. That was a, that was a fun little there anyway. Because uh, of Kings. Ah, <laughs> 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 jokes, jokes for days. <laughs> um, but the failures of the kings, they they get brought out here. They get put on public display. Um, and this is where you really start to see tension between Jeremiah and, and the branch of David. Um, but in the midst of all that, Jeremiah still says that the branch of David is going to be restored. Uh, and that's that puts an, a messianic overtone onto these, these chapters surrounding this right here. Because even though what he's saying is going against the house of David, Jeremiah is quick to say, yeah, but God's going to finish his plan. God's going to restore the the house of David and, and he's going to put, you know, there's going to be the king that will last forever and ever. He keeps like throwing in that hope that we talked about just a little while ago. That's right. That's right. So um, that's chapters 21 through 24. Then we see chapter 25 is like a, a summary of beginning and anticipation um, this, this is where the announcement of an exile comes in. Okay. There's a 75 year exile that's going to happen. Um, there will be judgment on the nations through this time. Um, there is a parallel here that, which I thought was interesting. I, I had never picked this up until I was thinking about it through the book. There's a parallel here to Babylon and the Babylon in revelation, uh, oh. which John would equate to something like Rome. 
Um, so, you know, just just be aware of of the ways that you can see that uh, and and see how God's going to bring it to fruition. Yeah. Um, but then chapter 26 already talked about this. This is the reaction to Jeremiah's uh, temple sermon that was from chapter seven. Um, and it shows I th- the interesting way if you when you read through chapter 26, this is going to show that people will react differently to truth. Some people will um, respond well to truth when you give it to them. Some people will not respond well to truth. And so many times in society, we we have accepted the I guess the norm or the idea that if something's going to hurt somebody's feelings or or make somebody sad or something like that, that we shouldn't tell them. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't give them what it is that we have to say. But if it's truth, then it's truth. Now, I mean, there's a wrong way to deliver truth. Yeah. Um, and we should always have compassion and love when we deliver truth. But we can never back down from what God has defined as truth, um, despite what we think somebody's reaction is going to be. And and it's always mm-hmm. uh, it's always better to be truthful and honest with someone than it is to try to sugarcoat it or cover it up or make it not seem as as bad as it is. You know, yeah. um, because I mean, you're going to see it in chapter twenty six. People did not respond well to Jeremiah's sermon from from chapter seven, uh, but some people did, and there and that's that's the proof that God's always going to reserve to Himself a remnant. He's always going to yeah. keep that group of people there there with Him, and so um, that gets us up through chapter twenty six. So take us on on into the next section and into everybody's favorite uh, verse of context. So chapters twenty seven through twenty nine are Jeremiah and the false prophets. Um, the message of hope through exile from Jer- that Jeremiah has been uh, proclaiming for several chapters now is going to prevail over two false prophets here, mm-hmm. um, Hananiah and Shemaiah. Um, I want to read the verses right around 2911 because mm-hmm. I think like when you pluck the verse out, of, <clears throat> when you just pluck the verse out, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. But when you like put it back in, like, don't ever take it out again. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to start in verse 10. I'm read through, like, verse 14. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, so this is talking about the exile, mm-hmm. I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place I deported you from. So Judah's been exiled Mm -hmm. for 70 years. Mm -hmm. They're coming back. Mm-hmm. Because God said they would. Mm-hmm. But there's also all this other stuff that's going to happen too. <laughs> and I think people like to use 2911 to be like, oh, well, God's just got a perfect plan for you and everything's going to be okay. It's like, but no, there's like, yes, but also you've got a role in it too. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to be, um, you have to call out to him and come and pray for him to listen with all and your heart. <laughs> and you've got to seek him and find him, and then he, you will find him. Yeah. Um. 
so it's just it's interesting to me yeah that that part never gets talked about the the 29 11 is what everyone knows but like the 29 10 and then 12 through 14 no one really ever talks about <laughs> ever um but maybe because it doesn't fit nicely on a throw pillow or whatever so um just food for thought just don't say stuff out of context please if you don't get anything else out of the 150 <laughs> episodes that we've done don't take verses out of context don't take verses <laughs> uh so um we get into chapter 30 through uh 33 um here's jeremiah promising restoration mm-hmm. and a new covenant um and then we see why jeremiah's pro babylonian position like why that was a thing yeah um yes 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 this gets explained in this section um in terms of a, of the future hope um that we just kind of talked about in 29 uh 10 through 14 um <laughs> and then uh chapters 34 through 36 uh there's the scroll from uh Zedekiah Jehoiakim and Jeremiah mm-hmm. was that right Jehoiakim Jehoiakim yeah that was pretty close not bad for someone who doesn't know uh how to say most old testament words um <laughs> and these here we see contrasting pictures of covenant loyalty and disloyalty and jehoiakim's rejection uh also gets narrated here in the mm-hmm. section yep and then we pick up in uh everybody's favorite thing which is politics uh chapter 37 and 38 we have jeremiah and court politics um, and this this section right here starts the final cycle uh, of Jeremiah that's going to eventually lead to the destruction of Jerusalem and Jerusalem and Jeremiah. I'm excuse me. Jeremiah is still consistent in preaching that they need to yield to Babylon uh, in order to live. And if they don't, they're going to die. Uh, so you see that in 37, 38 and then 39 through 41, kind of half of 41. Jeremiah is going to really narrate the fall of Jerusalem. Um, the events that happen after that, uh, is going to be expounded here. It's going to be taught here, which leads into the rest of 41, all the way through the end of 45, um, which is Jeremiah and, and they're leaving to go to Egypt. So if you, if you aren't familiar with the Babylonian exile, there's a couple of different things that happened and, and it can get confusing. It's why they call it the second Exodus, because, um, some people, stayed in Babylon or stayed underneath Babylonian rule uh, and they were in exile there. Some people fled to Egypt and they were exiles in Egypt. And so, mm-hmm. you know, let, let's just think about the irony of being in Egypt. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, you know, they're fleeing the place that the prophet has said, Hey, you guys need to stay. You need to accept this. And they're going to the place uh, they're going to Egypt, which is the place that they were in bondage for 400 years. <laughs> 400 years. How do you forget that? Sorry. It's uh, it, it it's funny to me because, again, I see so much of myself in the people of Israel. I, yeah. I do stupid things like that all the time. Um, but that gets us all the way through uh, 45. And so take us uh, really 46 through 51. Sure. So uh, the next three chapters are the oracles against the nations. Um, 
Jeremiah um, has over many years spoken oracles of God's judgment on these nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are placed at the end of the book here so that God's message of doom for Babylon is the final word uh, before the conclusion. So yeah. uh, chapter 46 goes on about the doom of Egypt. Um, and Judah had put their hope in Egypt, like you just said, kind of ironic, um, <laughs> instead of God. Um and be- destruction for Egypt follows. Yeah. And then we get into uh, the doom of Judah's neighbors um, in chapters 47 through 49. Um, these are the enemies of Judah, um, and they are judged for their treatment of Judah and for their own pride. Um, they're not immune to God's judgment. Um, even if God used them to judge Judah and to punish Judah and all those things, mm-hmm. they're still going to be judged. They're still going to be punished. They're still going to, there's, there's still a price to pay for their actions. That's right. Um, and then uh, chapters 50 and 51 is the doom of Babylon. Um, the destroyer of Judah is destroyed. Um, in like we've already talked about tonight, even though God used Babylon, their judgment is just as swift and it's even more fierce yeah. um, because they were the direct, um uh, punishers i don't know how, i don't know the oppressors. The, direct, the direct oppressors of judah mm-hmm. um even though god used them yep still punished mm-hmm. and ultimately destroyed that's right and then we we wrap up in chapter 52 and this kind of puts a, a nice little bow onto everything that has happened in jeremiah jeremiah gets vindicated um, his Paul, I mean, with the destruction of Babylon, the destruction of Egypt, the destruction of Jerusalem, Jeremiah clearly told him, if you don't accept these, this pro Babylonian position, if you don't just accept your basically oppression to, to Babylon, then it's going to, it's going to cost you even more. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's going to cost the people around you even more, you know, uh, it cost Egypt it, because Egypt shouldn't have. Been shouldn't have let them come there and take refuge, but they did because Egypt was more interested in their own pride. Yeah. Um, and so, so you end up with vindication, uh, and and then you're also going to see that there were in the midst of all of this, there were kings that paid attention to. You know, when we talked about the kings, there were some good kings and some bad kings, and then there was a good king who did the right things, and there was bad kings who didn't do the right things, and the ends of, of the prophets, you're going to see that's where that vindication for those Kings comes in. And and this is all happening across this, this time period of things like the Babylonian exile. You could have a good King during this time, during these 75 years. Um, you could have Kings that did the right thing. And, and uh, those Kings were going to be, are going to be vindicated. Those Kings are going to be, even though they, they still died, they died in honor. Um, they died in a place of, of honor for, uh, for the nation, but the Kings who ignored the prophet's calls are basically assigned to oblivion. They're forgotten about They're They're not remembered. Um, other than uh, maybe a few passing verses in, in the Kings and the Chronicles, uh, recording the history. And so, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to be, be this way, but I think that the Christians need to closely examine the prophet Jeremiah. Um, there was a book that was written by a guy named Russell Moore. 
probably trying to think of when when it came out. It's got to be almost 10 years old now. Um, but the book is called Onward. And and it's uh, it's a book where he lays out a uh, basically a position that says, look, Christians, uh, the world is secularizing and we're going to we're going to need to just accept the fact that the world is secularizing, but we don't need to lose our message. Mm. And so he says, instead of trying to be this this majority that's trying to dictate to people. Um, we need to be a prophetic minority, you know, and, and when I think about a prophetic minority, I think about Jeremiah because this is a guy who was not liked, um, clearly not listened to his words were not heeded. Um, but he still stayed true to the message that God gave him to deliver no matter what. And, and I think that's a, that's a good lesson for Christians today is, we don't have to lose our souls, but we also don't have to be the most popular kids in town. Yeah. And and that's okay. You know, as long as we stay true to what God has called us to, it may look like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It may look, and trust me, it is. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Right. But that's not an excuse for us to give up the core values of who we are as believers in the Lord Christ Jesus to sacrifice them on the altars of political gain Mm. and and you can interpret that however you want to you know but but the fact is that christians in the latter half of the 20th century and for the first two decades of the 21st century have done nothing but sacrifice their morals their positions their ideologies their standards their you name it, they've sacrificed it at the altar of political gain. And yep. look where it has gotten us. Yep. Absolutely nowhere. Yep. So maybe we should stop. Maybe we should quit being so naive as to think that we're smarter than the world. And recognize that God is the one who's in control. And until we give him actual control and say, God, do as you please, whether it means I spend 75 years in exile or not do as you please. Mm. So I'll, I'll leave with that word. I, I don't know if you want to add on to anything there. I do not. I was just sitting in uh, letting you roll with that. Cause that was a <laughs> great thought to, to close us out there. But that's the book of Jeremiah. And, and I feel like that sums up the book of Jeremiah mm. pretty well. Yeah. So I agree. Uh, can I pray for us tonight? I would love that. Awesome. God, we come to you and we thank you for another opportunity to sit down, discuss your word, to think um, heavily about your word, to think about how your word affects our life, our daily life, the, the way that we interact with people, the way that we uh, should carry ourselves in society and in culture. And God, I pray that uh, for myself, that that we would all be convicted, that I would be convicted, and that I would see uh, myself as an opportunity to carry your light uh, and your news into the world, knowing that that world might reject it, knowing that the, the people might ridicule and scorn, and I might end up in exile, and I might end up somewhere. But God, all of that pales into comparison to knowing you. God, that we would be like Jeremiah, who took your words 
and said, I'm going to deliver the words of God, no matter what, no matter what the opposition, no matter what the context, no matter uh, exile, prison, doesn't matter. I'm going to deliver the words that God has for me to deliver. I pray that we would have that steadfastness, that we would have that strength, that fortitude, that courage to be like the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, God, would you teach us how to do that? Would you instruct us through your word how we can do that? Because so many times we act like the people of Israel. So many times we act like the nation of Judah and just push off things that we don't like. And so, God, I pray that you would would bring conviction to us. You would bring uh, a heaviness to us that, that says, no, I need to be more like Christ. I need to be a better representative of Christ. How can I do that today? And God, that we would read and we would study and we would learn and we would apply biblical truth to our lives, and it would change the way that we act in the culture around us. And God, that you would do that through us, uh, and God, that we can say, for better or for worse, that God will receive the glory. And we pray this, and we ask this in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so, God, I pray that you would do that, and I pray that you would teach us. And I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they wanted to uh, tell us about how wrong we are on IPAs uh, through our Mm. social media channels, how would uh, they go about doing that? You can reach us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beersandbibleP1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. And you can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to tell us how wrong we are on IPAs, um, or if you have any uh, actual good beer suggestions, that you would like for us to try to review on the podcast or if you have any questions about anything we've discussed over the last few weeks or if you have any questions about anything in general we'd like to hear from you on any of that and uh, we will respond as we can yes we will because we're good about interacting when interactions happen <laughs> we try to be we we really do we had we an interaction do. this weekend it was great yeah we did it was fun. Somebody thought they got Rick rolled. <laughs> was I was great. about to I was about to sing it, so I'm glad you I'm glad you said it. So you know what was funny is so uh we, we got a message and he said that and I remembered that section, but all I could think in my mind was, Oh my gosh, I forgot to cut it like a section out and there's a whole section of us just like talking about nonsense stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. alright. It happens. It happens it from time to time. So anyway, until next week, we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.